kind of get started here. Uh, again, as we begin a new year, and that's where we're at, welcome to 2024, yay, 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 hoo-hoo-rah, right? And uh, welcome 2024, and as we begin, um, I just want to touch, remind us of some things and then kind of begin to look at some stuff that for the year. Uh, every year, at the end of the year, the previous year, I sit and review the year, uh, teaching-wise, what we've been happening for uh, us um, and so for and and so forth, and then really kind of where I'd like to go with us in the few in the new year, and as we do that, uh, I, I I was reminded of some things over this during the week. Um, I, again, I've been under the weather, you know, and and just kind of able to, to to think about things. And as we come to this point in our history of our country. Okay, when you think about what's been transpiring around the, uh, the, the, the country, and as we begin to look about and we see things, we understand that things are changing in our country. And as they begin to change and as they continue to change, and as, they, as things begin to just kind of, we look at it and we say is they're getting worse and worse and worse, and in reality, they are, but they've been doing that since Genesis uh, chapter 3, <laughs> okay? If you look here at Genesis 8 and verse 22, the Lord talking to, the Lord talking to uh, Noah, he says to him, While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Those are cycles, okay? And while you look at history, you can look at it linear, link, you know, line-wise, which is what, disp what di as dispensationalists, we look at it, kind of this happened and this happened in a line, but also in a cycle and in a circle. And, and in times and years past, we've talked about the circle, the cycle of our nation and where we're at. And we're currently in the winter time of our nation, okay? And you can go back and you can look at different times of winter and so forth, and you, there, the, we're turning. We're beginning to come out of winter. Now, what's after winter? Springtime. And in springtime, you plant what you thought about planting during the winter, so the things that have been happening in the winter, now think about what happens in winter. Things die, things don't, you know, they, they decay, they deteriorate, they break. And then in spring, we have new life. And life comes out of what, what's happened. In the, and the farmer says, I'm going to plant this in the winter. He makes those decisions. He buys those seeds. And then in the summer or the springtime, he plants them. And then they're harvested out and so forth, okay? So when you think on a national level, our nation, we're in that winter time. And we, again, we've looked at it. We, we saw the year 2000 seems to be when that cycle started, the winter time started. And then what happens then is it runs about 25 years, 20 to 25 years. And, and then there is a climactic event that ends the winter. The, think about winter time. Think about climatic events in our history. 1776. What, what happened in 1776? The Revolutionary War. 
The next winter season comes to an end, 1861. What was that? The Civil War. The next, the last winter was 1941, World War II. And now we're coming here. So the, the cycles, they, they end, the, each, the winter time ends with a bam, something devastating. And it's usually been war. Now, when you back up and you look at the cycles of the world, all the different countries are on their own cycles. We have, we're a young nation when you think about the nations out there, okay? They're all doing their thing. But when we begin to look at our – folks, it is important that you understand where you're at in the time of your nation, this nation. And as you think about that and as you, as you contemplate then what and how and what we're to be doing and what we are thinking about, well, that brought me to looking at Paul. And the theme for this year is going to be along the lines of, and it's not going to be just this, but we'll look at it. This will be the underlining issue, is that there are some things that the Apostle Paul expects you to know when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to doctrine and teaching and learning, the, the revelation given to the Apostle Paul is brand new. It's been kept secret. Now it's been revealed. So we're learning that, yes. But there are some things that have been talked about since Genesis 1 that the Apostle Paul, require, he expects you to know as Bible believers as people who come along and understand all of God's Word, Genesis to Revelation. And, and I, I want to spend some time with you this year looking at those things. Yes, talking about walk and doctrine and everything, but also then looking at some of these other things. Because as we step forward as dispensational Bible believers, and as we begin to look about us, we must maintain our responsibility of proclaiming the gospel of the grace of God to a world that's destined for destruction. And the way to know that is by catching some of these little things that Paul brings up that he expects you to know. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. As ambassadors, and by the way, that's who you are. Okay, when you, when you think about who you are in the body of Christ, you're his ambassador. You're the ambassador for Christ. Now, think about what an ambassador does. An ambassador represents the government of the foreign, okay, the foreign government. But what also does an ambassador do? An ambassador goes in and becomes a part of the country that they're an ambassador to. They, become, they, they come in and make themselves subject to the law of the land and, and become and to do. And so as ambassadors, it, that doesn't mean that we don't have a concern about what's going on around us, the decline in our society, in our culture. But what it means is that we recognize that our mission is not to change that decline. Because you can't. It's something bigger than you. But rather, what you can do is as we do preach the word of the gospel, then we go and live lives that demonstrate that transforming power of the gospel. 
And as we begin to do that individually as a local church, then what can we do? Then we begin to rescue individuals. You will never, you know what's going to correct and save the world? The return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's going to do it. And as Bible believers, as dispensational premillennial Bible believers, guess what? That, by the way, when you say premillennial dispensational Bible, you are making a political statement. Because what you're saying is, is the true king is going to come back and take care of take care and then establish his government, his rulership, see. So in a way we're kind of political, just not in a Republican, Democrat, independent mess way, okay? So when you think about what our job is to do as ambassadors is to pay attention to things and not not just Paul never stuck his head in the sand when it came to what was going on around him culturally in society. He was well aware of what was happening. You go read his, uh, his uh, sermon on Mars Hill when he's talking to the philosophers and everything. He knows well aware what's going on. He knows that he, he, he goes over there, he gets beat. They beat on him a little bit, the Roman soldiers do. And he goes, hey, don't, do you think it's good, you know, right, for you to be beating on me, a Roman citizen? And they're like, whoa, Roman citizen? And then, he, then they go take him and go put him out the back door. And he goes, no, 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 we're walking out the front door because <laughs> they're going to know what you've been doing back here, see. He was well aware of it, but he never used it as a platform. The platform was the death burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel. You see, for us today, as we think about being ambassadors in a time then I'll be honest with you, when you listen to the so-called experts about the new year coming, they don't have a clue. They don't know. They can't know. They can, they can look at the past and they can predict and look. And yet, when, so when you and I look at that stuff, what do we know? We know that the Lord's going to return, take us home, and then he's going to finish out the prophetic program. And when we understand that, then we can relax a little bit. We don't have to be overwhelmed by. We can come in and promote, live, preach, demonstrate the wonderful grace of God to a world out there that, again, is destined to, to be destroyed. And when you think about then what Paul is talking about, look at 2, you got 2 Corinthians 4, look at verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, verse 4 is loaded. There's a lot of stuff going on in verse 4 that you, that Paul, he assumes he's making a requirement that you understand. But just think about the God of this world. Now look at verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you see where Paul says, for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, when did God do that? Genesis 1, verse 3. 
Now think about what's in four, the God of this world, and then he makes a quote out of Genesis 1 verse 3 connected to when Lucifer became the God of this world. So what is he expecting you to know? Genesis chapter 1. You see that? He's not, he doesn't make statements just to make statements. So we're going to go back, by the way, and we're going to look at Genesis 1, 1 and 2, and how Lucifer became the God of this world, because you need to know that. Now, I know what happens instantly going through your mind is, oh, here's the gap theory. No, that's not what we're after. You, people call it that. By the way, there are gaps of information all through your Bible. We'll, dim, we'll show you, Okay. It's called the doctrine of intercalation. They're everywhere where God leaves out information, later provides information that can be put back into it. It's wonderful when you, it's, it's liberating Bible study, see. But what happens is, is people don't understand that, so they, they, they title it the gap theory. And, you know, well, there's something that's happening back there. Paul here says you need to know about it. Why? Because when you're in your situation right here, right now, what is the God of this world trying to do? Keep everybody blinded. And by the way, how does he do that? Chapter 3 tells us he does it by religion and with the law. When he says there, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, draw your eye back into chapter 3 and look, if you will, there at verse 14. In, first, in 2 Corinthians 3.14. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the, what? Old Testament. Which veil is done away in Christ, but even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. What's blinding the minds of the lost out there? Religion. Old Testament. Law. What's God doing today? Grace, the dispensation of the grace of God. You see? So what's hiding? you got to know what's going on. Come over to 1 Corinthians 2. I just got a couple of these. 1 Corinthians 2, and then we're going to go to Titus 1. 1 Corinthians 2, look, if you will, at verse 7. And we're just jumping in, 1 Corinthians 2, 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained, what's that next word? Before the world unto our glory. Before when? Before Genesis 1, 1, God did something. See how Paul, come over to Titus 1. See how Paul takes you back into eternity past. And he's going to expect you to understand something about eternity past. Okay? That God back there, the Godhead, did something. Look at Titus 1 and look at verse number 2. Titus 1, 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised... Before the world began. Now, let me ask you something. Before Genesis 1-1, who was there? The Godhead. That's it. So the Godhead comes together, and they promised to who? Themselves. That what were they going to provide for a human race that's going to need it? Eternal life. How do they provide that? There's a redemptive program. 
a redemption program that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit sit. They make an agreement amongst themselves, we're going to do that. When did they do that? Genesis. By the way, we'll go back and we'll look in Proverbs 3 and Proverbs 8, back before creation. And where wisdom says, I was there and I was on the table. And we'll look at some of that. And what is Paul doing? He's like, look, guys, you need to understand you have to have an eternity perspective here, an eternal perspective. you got to know back here before it all began, what did God promise to do? Come to Romans 16. He says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to provide eternal life to a, to a human race, a humanity that's going to need it because they're going to, fall for Lucifer in the lie program for Satan. They're going to fall for a lie, and you're going to come, and we're going to do that. And he begins to lay out the whole of the redemption program. And he began, as he lays that out, he then kept, what did 1 Corinthians 2, 7 say? He had some hidden wisdom that he had kept hidden in himself before the world began. See? So he kept Romans to Philemon secret, if you will. He goes, I'm just going to keep this secret. By the way, he kept some other things secret too. They're called the mysteries of the kingdom. The Lord Jesus Christ reveals in his earthly ministry things that are not found in the Old Testament prophets. Those parables of the mysteries of the kingdom, he's making those known. See, God keeping a secret isn't a secret. It isn't shocking. He's been doing it all along. See, he just kept a whole dispensation secret, not just the little bits and pieces. Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret. In that sense, the world began. Sense. Isn't that interesting? So before the world began, he kept some information secret. And then when the world began, Genesis 1, he kept that same information secret. But then he made a revelation, doesn't he? He reveals that the seed of the woman is going to be the, where the Redeemer is going to come for. And the seed of the woman becomes the seed of Abraham and the seed of Isaac and the seed of Jacob. And Jacob, the 12 tribes out of there is going to be Judah. And Judah is going to be the tribe. And out of the tribe of Judah is going to come Jesse and his family. And Jesse's youngest boy, David, is going to be the king. And he's the one there, the seed, the Messiah is going to come from. And he's going to be the Redeemer. And he's the one that's going to go and die and do and put and take care of and he's going to redeem his people from their sins because the earth is the issue genesis 1 verse 2 and the earth all the way down to acts 9 with saul of tarsus on the road to damascus it's the earth it's the earth it's the earth and gentile salvation is going to be through the nation of israel being who she's supposed to be the kingdom of god the nation of God, the royal priesthood, the holy nation. And when they're doing their thing, then boom. And then yet, what did he do on the road to Damascus? He said, I got a secret, and now I'm going to make it known. My point is, is there's some things in this that Paul historically is saying you ought to know about. And I know what happens is as we get in Genesis and we get in the Chronicles, and we start reading the, the itineraries, and we start reading the genealogies, and we go, oh, this is so boring. But yet, it's really not. 
When you start reading, like in Genesis 10, and there's 70 Gentile nations, and you go, wow, 70? I know a 70. And so 70 souls that go down into Egypt. So Israel's first number was 70, not 12. It was 70. And then we got 12. And then, go, and then next thing you know, you're 18 hours of Bible study, and you're going, what did I do? <laughs> Where did it go, you know? Why? Because this is stuff you're supposed to know. And as we begin to go through the year, we're going to look at some of that. And yet at the same time, come on over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. As we look about us this morning and the coming year, I'm ex- listen, there is no better time to be in ministry than right now. Because people are going back to the basics. 2 Corinthians 6. People are going back to the bottom. They are looking for truth. When you get away from mainstream media, actually, you know what? When we go to the swap meet, because I think we're going to start going to the swap meet once the weather changes <laughs> and gets a little better, you, you talk to people. And you know what you begin to hear? They, they're not worried about which politician is in control. They're worried about where their next dinner or lunch is coming from. They're worried about the paycheck. They're worried about taking care of. And here you and I come in, and we begin to talk about eternity. And, and their salvation, their justification. We're not talking about getting money out of them, which, by the way, that's what they think the church is trying to do anyway. And we're not. We're trying to give them something. Give them a free gift. See? Then what begins to happen is they begin to listen to you. So right now is a great time to be doing ministry of any kind. Okay? Paul in 2 Corinthians 6 gives us a little warning here, a little insight to think about as we go through the, through the year, as things are going to happen, okay? I know economically they, they say this is a roller coaster. You thought 22 was bad or 23 was worse, 24 could be worse, okay? They, I don't know how they do it. That's what they say. Okay, hold on then. It is what it is, see? When the rapture happens, the Lord's going to have to yank some of you two times to get you out of here because you're so stuck down into this world. So maybe a little economic reversal or issues might help you, okay? I don't know. All right? Okay? But the point is, is when you do that, when you think about this, look, if you will, at verse 17. And we're just going to jump in here because there's a call here that Paul's making. Wherefore... Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, Paul here is making a call of separation. Now, you can't come out of the world, okay? So he's not talking about coming out of the world. You live in the world. If you came out of the world, where would you get gas or food or electricity? See, you're not doing He's talking about coming out of religion. And we're going to come down through the, the 11 and, and so forth in just a minute. But what I want you to see is this call of separation has a standard in Scripture. Come back to Daniel chapter number 1. And, that's, and again, this is something that, that Paul, when he says this, come out from among them. By the way, he's quoting Isaiah 52, and we'll go over there in just a minute. But when he's doing this, he is calling on you to understand something on your scriptures, your Old Testament. 
By the way, Romans 15 says that the, the things that are written aforetime time are written for our learning, not obedience, learning, see, okay? In Daniel chapter 1, you have Daniel, and you have Nebuchadnezzar, O Nebi. And Nebuchadnezzar, the third time now, has sacked Jerusalem. He's carried him away. Verse 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Who turned, who turned Judah over? The Lord did. Why? Because they're following Baal. False gods, idol worship. They're not following the Jehovah of, 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 uh, of Israel. They're following another gods. So God says, fine, you don't. Fifth course of judgment, Leviticus 26. Oh, man, the time to go do all that. We'll, we'll get there, okay? All right, the fifth course of judgment, which is they're going to be under Gentile rule, you're under. By the way, the northern ten tribes have already been carried off by Assyria. That happened quickly. They're gone. The Lord looks at Judah and says, you see what your sister did? Don't you do it. And guess what they did? They did it. That's what the book of Amos is all about. There's a warning in there. And what happens is, is the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, unto his hand, verse 2, and part of the vessel, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried in the land of Shinar, to, by the way, Shinar, Genesis 11, Tower of Babel, Shinar. Where are we? Babylon. You see the history. Genesis 11 comes right up. What happened at the Tower of Babel? The lang all one language, internationalism, globalism, found its root in, in man's thinking. God judged it, confounded the languages, confounded and separated out the nations, Genesis 10. See. By the way, Romans chapter 1 God gave him up, gave up man, gave up man three times. All that happened in Genesis 11, Tower of Babel. Got to know some things. Verse 3, And the king spake unto Aspenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and the king's seed and, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learnings and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Take the best of the best, guys, and bring them in. So they do. They bring them in. And there you, you, you've got verse 6. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's Meshach. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get their names changed. Verse 7, okay. But now watch verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now think about what Daniel just did in verse 8. Daniel established the law of separation for, for Israel, for the Jew. He did what? He purposed in his heart. He made up his mind. His faith in Exodus 34, come over to Deuteronomy 32, his faith in the word of God, go back there to Exodus 34. Sorry, I might as well look at it. Exodus 34. His faith in the Word of God was to not defile himself 
with anything offered unto idols, where do you think the king got his meat from? The idolatry worship. He got the, the king got the best. Everybody else gets the, the other. Exodus 34, Moses, verse 14, Moses tells him, For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a-whoring after their gods, and do sacrifice unto their gods, and one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice." And thou take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go a-whoring after their gods, and make their sons go a-whoring after their gods. Thou shalt make thee no molten gods. You think it's a bad deal to, to join in with that stuff? Very much so. Come over to Deuteronomy 32. Daniel stood. He did not. He, he purposed in him heart not to defile himself with the king's meat or the king's drink. I'm not going to do that. Why? Think about this. He's going to get... The, uh, the food there of, he's going to get, uh, uh, whoa, where did it go? I just had it. He's going to get the, 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 their, their food. I want to say porridge, pulse. I mean, think about this. Here's the king. He's getting prime rib, ribeye. And Daniel says, no, just get me the pork steak over here, the little hamburger meat. I mean, that's what he's doing, see. But why? Because the word, the word to him said what? Don't you eat of that. Deuteronomy 32, Daniel understood that he was not to participate in the religious system of the world. In Deuteronomy 32, Deuteronomy is the uh, national anthem of Israel. It's the song of Moses. Verse 32, well, verse 31, For their rock, little r, is not as our rock, capital R. By the way, who's the capital rock? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 that it's Christ. So you've got to have Paul to understand who this rock is they're talking about, see. For their vine is the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons and cruel venom of asp. Whew. Not a good thing to mess around with that religious system. Verse 37, And he shall say, Where are their gods, their rock in whom they trusted? which did eat the fat of their sacrifice and drank the wine of their drink offerings. Psalm 16 says that in the tribulation out there where this is looking towards prophetically, that they're literally going to take the believer, the believing remnant member, the little flock member, and cut his neck and put a golden chalice under his neck and it's going to be a blood offering, drink offering. And they're literally going to do human sacrifice in the temple as if it was to God, and they're going to reach underneath there and take it, and they're going to have a blood drink passed around, Psalm 16. But see, you participate in that, Israel, if you just are over here doing it in this little wine turns to hooch, turns to this, turns to blood, through abracadabra, zip, zoom, bam, transfiguration, all transubstantiation stuff, see. Because it's all the system. Verse 38, let them rise up and help you and be your protection. Come over to Jeremiah 44. 
you see, folks, when you look around us today, today in the age of grace, there's religion everywhere. And you know what Paul says? You don't belong a part of that. Daniel sets it. Daniel says, I will not defile myself with that mess. I, it, listen, would you rather have a hamburger or a pri- piece of ribeye with the bone in it and the fat and all the trimmings? I would rather have the ribeye, right? I'm getting hungry. Hurry it up, Rick. Let's go. But he says, I ain't doing that. I'm going to come over here now and I'm going to eat my food, what, I'm, what the Lord told me to eat. Now, that's, this is Daniel. Look at Jeremiah 44, verse 15. Jeremiah, he's, a, uh, he, he's, on, he's in uh, Jerusalem where, Daniel, where the sieges are happening. Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Dan, Ezekiel and Daniel, are all, they're all there as Nebuchadnezzar comes in and begins to seize. And Daniel says, verse 15, or Jeremiah 44, verse 15, Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods, and all the women that stood by, a great multitude them of the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt, and Pethros answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. What are they telling? We're not going to do what the word of God's telling us we're going to do. Verse 17. But we will certainly do whatsoever that thing goeth forth out of our own mouth. And you need to remember that always. People will do what people want to do. Period. You do what you want to do. I can tell you all day long that you're violating that verse. You need help, help. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to bow your back and do what you want to do. Period. It's just nature of man. Keep reading. I hope you don't, but that's what they're going to do, all right? To burn incense, now watch, unto the queen of heaven. Now think about this. In 600 B.C., that's before Christ, not before COVID, okay? All right, you know that, B.C., before COVID, right? 600 years before Christ, now we're 2,000 years since Christ, so that's a few years ago. They had some, they had in a religious organization someone called the Queen of Heaven. Now we have churches around here that go by that title, Queen of Heaven. See, nothing new under the sun. By the way, what do they do in verse 18? They have, they, uh, and, but since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, Isn't that interesting? Drink offerings. Verse 19, we're going to make her cakes to worship her. So now we've got aids in worshiping. By the way, you know what they call the the guy running this show? They call him father, Judges says. They call him priest. Well, the modern manifestation today would be the Roman Catholic Church, sure. But this is Baal worship. This has been going on since Genesis. Actually, Genesis 3. It's, it's, you know what Daniel says? I ain't going to be a part of that. You know why? Because God's word to me says I'm not going to be a part of that. Now, come back to 2 Corinthians 6, and I'll get where I'm, where I'm, why, why we're looking at all, all this. 2 Corinthians 6 here. Daniel not only sets the standard of separation for Israel, 
He sets it for all of Scripture, for you and I today in the church, the body of Christ. Verse 11, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is opened unto you, our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now for recompense is in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Now watch. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That has nothing to do with marriage. 1 Corinthians 7 deals with marrying an unbeliever. Okay? This has nothing to do with being in business with unbelievers. You, who else are you going to be in business with? You got to find another believer? See? This isn't about going down and buying groceries at a grocery store or gasoline. Because you can't, you're, you're, you're in the world. You're not of the world, but you're in it. Say, what does it have to do with? Well, keep reading. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? There's Baal. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you will be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, think about that. Paul is talking about being a part of the religious system. Yeah, but friend, but Rick, I got friends over there. I've got family over there. That's fine. You can go deal with them, but don't be a part of it. See, you've got to make a. I will not be defiled by that mess. Based on what Paul's t teaching us here. The answer. What agreement? Think about this. What fellowship? None. What communion? None. What concord? None. What agreement? None is the answer. The system that starts back in Genesis and is run all the way through will, will, will pollute you. And Paul says, don't be a part of it. And then he quotes Isaiah 52. So go back to Isaiah 52. And the quote of Isaiah 52 is because it's the Corinthians, who he's rebuking, are in a similar situation. Isaiah 52. In Isaiah 52, you've got Israel being redeemed. They're under the oppression, verse 3, of the Assyrian. They're in tribulation, verse 11. Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence, touch no unclean thing. Go ye out in the midst of her, be ye clean and bear the vessels of the Lord. I'm sorry, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Get out, depart, depart. In the tribulation, when that little flock is going to be going through, when Israel is going to be going through the 70th week of Daniel, you know what's going to come up? That little thing called the mark of the beast. You want to buy, and sell. by the way, the mark of the beast was not a COVID shot. It was not the mask. It's very specific what it is. 
By the way, you know how you, the real reason you know it's not is because we're in the dispensation of grace. <laughs> if we were in the ages to come, then you might want to think about it. But it, we're not. We're in the age of grace. And none of that stuff in the book of Revelation is going to happen until you and I are gone home with the Lord. And when that happens, then you can, they, the world can worry about that. You won't because you won't be here. Okay? And that's a great comfort. Paul says, you know what? We're in a similar situation. Just as they're going through a time when they're going to be tempted at every corner, you and I are tempted the same way. Come over to Titus chapter 1. You and I are tempted. And you know what we're tempted to do? Take the easy way out. You know what we're tempted to do? We're tempted to come along and say, okay, yeah, but I can just go. I can go here in the morning, and I can go over here in the afternoon, and I can do, and, and we begin to become one of those milk toast, limp-wristed Christians. And he says, don't you do that. Don't do that. Titus 1, verse number 9, Paul talking to the bishop, an older bishop, Hold fast the faithful word. Verse 9. Titus 1, verse 9. Hold fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Of one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Man, even their own people have identified who they are. And the folks at Crete have welcomed them in to be their leaders. And Paul says, No way, man. The real leader is going to shut them down with sound doctrine. And he's going to stop their mouths. You know what it is to stop a mouth? It's that thing in Galatians 2 where they didn't give them an hour. They gave them no, no opportunity to speak. Shut up. Get out. Yeah, but we got to listen to them. No, we don't. Get out. This isn't, oh, let's all get along. No, this is, here's the sound doctrine. Here's the truth. You don't like it. There's the door. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more, no more. No. Now, I know that, oh, don't, you got to be loving in grace. That is. That's turning them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. Because what's running their show is their flesh. Because what they want to do is what they are doing. That's the whole point of this. Come over to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 9. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. Man, look at that. There's, there's not a solid good thing in it at all. Oh, but Rick, you ought to be kind. And I'm not against being kind and loving and understanding, but there comes a point in it, and that's what verse 10 is saying. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject. You know what it is to reject something? It's to throw it out. Put it in the black barrel for the dump. You see, this is not a, oh, you should love them and have you. Yeah, you can have kindness. And he tells, by the way, Titus is a fighter. Titus is Galatians 2. They're not going to circumcise Titus. You ain't touching me. 
So he's telling Titus, you got to give him some, you got to at least talk to him a couple times before kicking him out. See, Titus is like, you're not on board, get out. I mean, he's boom. Timothy's the opposite. Timothy's a little too much. Timothy's like, Timothy, you got to get rid of him. What's the point here? Come over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. The point is, is folks, you and I, we have to maintain the sound doctrine. We are to come out from among them, be ye separate, be clean. We're not going to participate over here in that vain religious system. And that's all that it is, is religion. Why? Because a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump, you let a little bit in and then it takes and it takes and it takes and it takes. The result of that taking, uh, I told you 2 Timothy. I, look at 1 Timothy 6, sorry. I, we, I skipped a verse. 1 Timothy 6, verse 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. If you work a job, you ought to be working that job the best way you can so that God's name and doctrine isn't blasphemed. That's your responsibility as an employee. And they, that have, and they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If you work for another brother or sister in Christ, you ought to do the best job for them and not take advantage of them. That's clear. If any man teach otherwise... And consent not the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, that's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the words of Christ given to the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 14, 37. And to doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strife of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, with such withdraw thyself. Man, this stuff is not negotiable. It's serious. Why? Because if you don't, if you allow it to happen, 2 Timothy 1.15 is the result. You leave Paul. Look at 2 Timothy 1.15. This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Jesus and Hermogenes. They, you know what they do? They've left Paul. Where are we? We're in chapter 2 now, verse 14. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of hearers. You leave Paul, what are you doing? You start subverting the, hear, the listeners, the people around you. You leave that sound doctrine, that form of sound words, life-giving words that God gave to the apostle Paul, and he wrote them down and it's pre preserved in your Bible, in a King James Bible for the English-speaking people, when he did that, and you leave that, you leave the Apostle Paul, you subvert the people around you, verse 16, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase into the more ungodliness. You become ungodly in your activity. Who concern, verse 18, who concerning the truth have erred, saying, that the resurrection is past and overthrow the faith of some. Chapter 3, verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know what you do? You, you just move right into apostasy. 
And the church, the body of Christ at large, is right here in apostasy. They have left the Lord Jesus Christ, the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've left the Apostle Paul. They've forsaken him. They've gone back to the easy living. Let's go back over here. Chapter 4, verse 3, but there will come, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Just teach me something new. We need something new. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Man. Totally corrupt, gone. And Paul says, you know what? It starts over here by not being separate, by not coming out of it, by keeping a little bit in it. I know family is in it. I know friends are in it. I know it's hard. I get it. And I'm not saying don't have any contact with them, cut them off. I'm saying when they say, hey, we're going to be having this or that, you got to think about that because it just keeps that little bitty hook on you. And it's tough. Chapter 3, 2 Timothy, verse 14. Here's what you and I are to do. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Man, you want to know what you're doing is right? That verse right there tells you how you know you're doing right. You're doing what the Apostle Paul has communicated for you to do. And you're living that. And you're doing it. Chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. When it's safe to preach, preach it. When it's safe not to preach, you better be preaching it. In other words, you're not taking any time off. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Verse 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Back there in Daniel 1, and from verse 8 down to the end of that, roughly the end of that chapter, Daniel, the eunuch, let Daniel and his buddies not eat the king's meat. And you know what happened at the end? They came out looking better than the, than the group that ate the meat. When you look at 2 Timothy 4, look at verse 7. At the end of it, at the end of the challenge of life, here's the Apostle Paul, and he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. In 1 Timothy 6, he tells Timothy, verse 11, But thou, O man of God, flee these things. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. You see, when you and I face the new year, we need to, we need to be a Daniel. We need to make a stand. And you do it in your life how you choose the wonderful thing about God's grace is we have liberty to make it ours and do what is ours. 
I, nobody's judge, I don't stand in judgment of anybody because I make decisions and people go, oh, what is that about, okay? When it comes to the pressures of life and the purposes of life, and what are we, we don't compromise the doctrine. We stand for it. We hold the ground. Our world, our community about us, our state, our city, our families, they need us to stand fast in who we are in Christ. As his ambassadors, living the life that we have been entrusted with, that's what they need. You and I, we have the privilege to put on display the righteous character of God here in the ghetto of humanity. We have that privilege. And we need to stand there and do that. We need to dare to be a Daniel. Why? Because it's what our world, it's what 2024 needs. And then it's what the rest of it needs if the Lord tarries. And another day of grace happens. The Apostle Paul, quote Isaiah, bring in Daniel, expects you to know it. Now, there's some other things we're going to look at over the coming year. And we'll just spend some time looking at. And again, because Paul expects us to know. And there's a kind of a requirement, if you will, to know. And I think we should know some of it. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your son for the all-spiritual blessings, for the completeness, from the mercies of God that are ours in our Son, in your Son, in our Savior. And we thank you for that. And as we go through the year, I just pray that we would keep in front of us the doctrine and the sound words that are life-giving for us as we live life and go through the details of life. We would do so for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray, amen.